in a vast landscape full of adventurers. You are now listening to the world of Chaotic Amateurs. What's up, Chaotic Amateurs listeners? It is I, Bentley Michaels, or you know me as Lanston Philly Duke Bozos. Okay, so as promised on last week's wrap-up episode, we have on Dave Mitchell this week. Uh, he is the creator of The Hateful Place, and uh, I got the chance to talk with him uh, as of today. It was yesterday, on Saturday. Uh, as you're listening to this, it was a couple days ago now, because uh, that's how math works, and weeks. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great talk. I had a lot of fun. We talk about you know his, his history with you know uh, RPGs and, and that sort of stuff, how he developed his games, things that inspired him. He even gives you you some some rundowns on some of the gameplay and that sort of stuff. Uh, it was a really great conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to him. So if you're a DM or an indie game developer or you're thinking about maybe kind of creating your own stuff, uh, check out this conversation for sure. It's it's really interesting because some of the, the tools and stuff that he's designed for his game uh, can actually just be used in regular like D&D and, you know, in, in other scenarios. Uh, uh, and so... Yeah, um, if, and if you don't like interviews, totally cool. We'll be back next week with more role play. But until then, here's my conversation with Dave Mitchell. Dave, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello to Bentley and hello to all the listeners. And uh, Dave, you're in the UK, correct? I am. I'm in just close to Warwick. So a lot okay. of people know about Warwick Castle. So. <laughs> well, uh, perfect setting for you near, near a castle. That's good. Absolutely. <laughs> uh is it raining over there is it rainy season yet uh, it's always rainy season always rainy season <laughs> yeah it's not far off oregon, we're heading into winter yeah oregon's kind of like on the same parallel with you guys so yeah we get rain for about eight months out of the year as well so yeah yeah, yeah. you know the school <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So uh, we, we've brought Dave on because, listeners, as you know, we're going to be playing his game uh, the next episode. After this, we're going to start playing uh, his game, The Hateful Place, and we wanted to bring him on and just sort of talk to him about, you know, if in, any of the listeners out there are developing their own games or, or you know, or just making homebrew campaigns and, you know, sort of pick his, uh, pick his uh, beautiful bald-headed brain. It's always nice to see another bald-headed guy with a beard, you know what I mean? <laughs> Stick together. Yeah, we're on Google Hangout, and uh, so yeah. So when was the uh, when was the first time that you got interested in you know RPGs, tabletops, or Dungeons and Dragons, or whatever? How did you sort of how, how did that sort of happen for you? I was sort of in what we call over here, I guess, like the sort of the first wave about sort of nineteen seventy nine, I think, when the uh, it, it sort of hit big over here with basic D anD D, and loved that, and then like everyone else, quickly got into advanced D&D. And um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just everything kind of that we hadn't seen before in terms of games. It was, uh, you know, it was just a lot of fun. So I, I set up a, a D&D society at school. And um, what was interesting about that was people think, oh, yeah, that's really geeky. And you'd get all the kind of the bullies, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And then there was like this kind of, uh, a tough kid uh, called Jamie and he joined not really because of the game 
but because uh, painting the miniatures. Oh, cool. Because he was into art, and he'd, he'd come in with these. He'd, he'd play, come in and obviously play the modules, you know, the classic kind of modules. Mm-hmm. And, and um, he'd bring in the miniature he'd painted that week, and it would look awesome, just awesome. And we'd then say, hey, is there any chance you could, you know, paint as kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. And because he was in the group, suddenly all the bullies kind of disappeared. Okay. And it was considered a kind of an okay, cool group because a kind of a talented artist kid had joined. So it, it sort of went from there, really, yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, I don't play, uh, uh, for the listeners, they know this, like I hadn't played before, so we, we don't have miniatures or anything like that. Um, uh, but is that always been sort of your thing? Do you need like a visual component so you can be like, okay, we're going here and that sort of thing? Or is that just how it was set up before and that's just how you've always played? I, it's how we played it then, and I, I like that sort of uh, visual. You know, I like theatre and I like spectacle, and I like uh, the possibilities, especially now that you're seeing online these huge computer game events and the FIFA football and everything. I think that's an area where you want kind of visual things, and you've got obviously the computer side of that on, say, D20 or something, but... Yeah, in that sort of, you know, the, the, the face-to-face gaming, yeah, I, I like all that kind of the miniatures and the terrain and stuff like that. But, you know, the great thing about these games is, you know, as, as you know, is that you can play without any of that. You know, you can just play with a, a pencil and a piece of paper and the dice. And yeah. it's the same, same with The Hateful Place, and it was the same with uh, Chain Mail and, and D&D and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's down to – I like that, but I think it's down to the individual for their game, what they're into. And uh, I can totally understand people who play with absolutely nothing because yeah. it's very, very raw and stripped down, and it's awesome. It's, just, it's, down, it's all down to imagination and fun. Yeah, I actually um... – I actually would probably prefer a visual component because how we started our our campaign was we were all captured on a ship. And then once we got up to the top or whatever, you know, that's when action breaks out. And so and then I kept I was like, wait, where am I? And and our DM like drew this top of this crappy ship. He's like, okay, it's kind of like you're here, here. I was like, okay, this makes way more sense now, you know. So I could see that being a, a, a very helpful thing, especially if you're new, but also just sort of, uh, you know, if, you, if you're more of a visual learner as, as I am. You know, I'm not... I am too. I need that. Yeah, for sure. Maybe I'm going to... Maybe in season two, I'll, I'll, I'll break out more maps, like get some grid paper and kind of, you know, if there's going to be a big event, I'll try that. May, it might just help me to keep track of it myself. So they, can, so they don't have to ask me so many questions. No, you're here. <laughs> no, you're right here. And now you're going to move to here. Uh, I think when when I referee, I tend to I tend to let a, a lot of kind of mapping th- things go. It's like yeah. I kind of take that as approach, like you know where you're going and you'll remember how to get back, kind of thing. Because otherwise, you could just end up with a map of theirs that looks nothing like the yeah. map they're supposed to be on, and you just go perfect, absolutely bang on. That's exactly how wow, it's uncanny how good that map is. Yeah, our our, our DM Rhett was actually very kind to us when. Uh, when we go back and because I'll do all the editing and we had music and sound effects and stuff in our show. So it's like, I'm going back and listening to that and I'm like, Oh, he was just super nice to us right there. <laughs> he just like totally <laughs> let something slide. And because I didn't catch it in the moment, I'm just like, yeah, we're doing it. And I was like, nah, he was being nice to us. Cause we don't know what we're doing. 
I, I have a, I have a group that I do everything I possibly can to help them live, and they just end up killing each other. And it's happened in about three or four sort of different adventures. And you think, what can I do? You know, it's like I've, I've told you there's the door from the haunted house to get out, but you guys just keep walking back in. And there's nothing I can do about that. So, but it's funny. Cool. I, I, I just got a message from, uh, from, from Red, our DM, and he, had, he has questions for you. So we'll definitely get to okay. those uh, in, in, in a little bit. Um, okay. Was there ever a lull for you uh, as far as like where you went? No, nah, I'm I'm too cool for this. And then it's like later on in life, you're like, wait, what was I doing? This is awesome. Like, when Huge, was that time yeah. for you? It was a massive, it was massive, massive little. I mean, literally, um, at sort of sixteen, I go to college, uh, I, and I, I'm doing like theater studies and drama and stuff like that. So I get suddenly you get sucked into that kind of. Brecht and Shakespeare and you know uh, yeah. Ibsen and all that and you then I went off and did that at to university and um, got sort of all into that so I was I was kind of I, I didn't really follow after one e with D and didn't really follow I never played even though I've got the books I didn't play two e or three e or the infamous four e or or now the fifth edition um, and coming back to it literally only about sort of about four or so years ago. Oh, wow. Um, because, and it's interesting, it, it, um, it was for the same reasons this time as it was the first time around that I was kind of, uh, had, had had loss, personal loss, and uh, it was a world to escape into, and it was exactly the same this time around, and for the same reasons. And, and what was interesting this time was, was coming into it and... You know, I'd never heard of Ravenloft or I'd never heard of, you know, that series of books. I'd never heard of, like, the, the second, third, fourth, fifth edition. Traveller had changed beyond the classic edition that I sort of played. And now there was other games. There's this whole old-school renaissance suddenly out there mm-hmm. and uh, the politics between these sort of Bronyards and then this sort of new breed, whatever, that I just avoid anyway. Um, and other games like Lamentations of the Flame Princess or... Dungeon Crawl Classics or Labyrinth Lord or all these kind of huge, huge things. And um, and that's been a real sort of a revelation. And I think it's kind of, it's amazing to, to sort of come back into it. Um, first what what brought you back player. into it? Again, it was that sort of, it was that need to socialize to start connecting with people again. And I'd, I'd had, a, again, a sort of a, a family loss. And so I felt kind of the need to sort of escape, I think, back into that sort of fantasy world. Um, and the groups that, the group that I played in years ago is obviously long, long gone. So it was about then trying to find, um, trying to find like an online group. You didn't um, try to Facebook the art kid that painted the figures? You're like, hey, man. Want to get back together, paint some figures? Wow. <laughs> I did actually think about trying to find at least three of them, but I thought, wow, they probably... I should do. I should see if they're still around. That would be interesting, I think. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know, would, maybe they're playing still. I would think so. It's very, very possible. I mean, I see some of these guys on Facebook who've been like camp, running campaigns for like 20, 30, 35 years. You know, over there, it's amazing. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah. 
do you prefer uh like one offs or do you prefer sort of uh open ended stuff or you know or like sort of medium play I've run a lot of one shots um but I personally I like campaign stuff mm. you know it's it's interesting that I think with with D&D players get really invested in their character and you could you know they're 27th 28th 30th level beyond kind of thing um and they 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 kind of they're used to that kind of way of doing things because it's pretty much with D and D you're not going to get killed, not really. You've got a chance of surviving. Yeah. A lot of these old school Renaissance games, yeah, you get killed like that every adventure. You're yeah. rolling a new character, and there's a lot of people who love. You just that. found a tesseract. Bye. That's right. That's <laughs> Some of the things that they do is, is just unbelievable. You're like, oh, no. Don't. Oh, you walked into this room? You're all dead. <laughs> oh, just please. After like something. four hours or whatever, you get to the end. You're like, oh, Craig, we made it. Nope. <laughs> That's right. It's like, oh, dear. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's um, yeah, I sort of, I came into, back into it because of that. And suddenly there's a whole bunch of amazing sort of games out there. And, uh, and then after that, then I started coming up with the idea of creating my own. Yeah. Uh, why did you, I'll just sort of, this kind of naturally goes into uh, some of the questions that, that uh, Rhett asked, you know, why, and you kind of answered this, but why was it a little bit more specifically like that you wanted to make your own game and, and what inspired it the most? I, I'd looked at, okay. There's a couple, there's a couple of, there's two direct reasons. Um, one is um, mental health. Uh, it's a really therapeutic kind of thing. To create, to, yeah. To create. Um, there's a, a line in the, the core rule book, uh, there is a hateful place somewhere in my mind. And so the original kind of uh, essence uh, for the idea was, was depression, was, you know, how the darkness invades your life. And then how you start to view this kind of world. So then I sort of turned that into this therapeutic kind of game on one aspect. Um, Which would explain the 23 hours of darkness and one hour of light. Absolutely. Everything, everything. There's vile children in, I think, the third book as these non-player characters. And that's kind of the kids you see out here on the terrible language on the, the, the the public park and everything. So everything I see has gone into these. Me as a youth. (laughs) Just a filthy mouth teenager. Uh, These kids are like uh, seven, eight, nine. Seriously. I mean, (laughs) unbelievable. These are trash mouth kids. They really are. It's unbelievable. So that was, that was one reason Mm -hmm. uh, was to kind of, to use it as this kind of escapist piece of work. But then the other reason was, um, I backed a Kickstarter a couple of years ago of uh, sort of, of an indie RPG, which is which is I won't name it, but it's doing really well. It's really good and everything. Um, but it was kind of promoters bone like this really sort of easy kind of system mechanically to play. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. So I got it, and I, I looked at it. Oh, well, this is great and everything, but it's not any easier or more difficult than D and D or OSR stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, what I need to do is, I, I'd, I'd wanted, I thought, okay, I want to create my own game, but I want it to be simple enough that I can understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to be simple enough that I can play the thing. Yeah. Um, and so I looked at a whole bunch of, of games, 
and I looked at where D&D was. I looked at Pathfinder and this ridiculously huge tome-like core rulebook. You know? Yeah, I, uh, I know what you mean. I'm, uh, I'm going through going through the stuff right now <laughs> there you go there i just you showed go. dave the uh the the player's guide the dungeons master's guide and the monster guide books <laughs> i'm pouring through all of I, it and just kind of like like okay i gotta learn all this stuff because i don't really know so i've got the traveler book t5 you know the one that was kickstarted oh yeah and and it's like that thick it's ridiculous yeah. i mean it, it, i had to get it from somebody in i think canada who sent it to a friend a buddy in la Oh, okay. to send it to me and it costs like i think about 100 bucks in postage and stuff like that but you can't get that book because it's yeah. kickstarted so it's like it's yeah like a huge five inch tome oh yeah crazy but but the fact is it's crazy i just thought this is just crazy and i looked at all these i looked at all the kind of systems around like lamentations of Flame princess or uh black hack as recently came out kind of thing uh call of cthulhu and all this kind of stuff and i just thought Okay, I, I want a system that's easy dice, three dice, uh, D20, D10, D6. Just really keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, lose four, you know, of, of the, the dice we've had previously to keep, to keep it as a simple system. Make combat easy. It's what I really loved about the first uh, classic Traveller, that it just said, okay, here's 15 or more. That's what you've got to roll to hit. Mm-hmm. And these battles could be over, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. A, a gun, a gun battle in classic traveler. Yeah, you could die in one battle. That I love. That aspect I love. You're not being deliberately nasty to people in you're killing them, but you're you're saying to listen in D and D, you can have these great fights and you can go kill a, you know, a, a god or something. That's not going to happen in this game. Or you can you take know? forever. If you can't roll worth a crap, absolutely right. Exactly. That's what. That's exactly. Caleb. That's like our biggest running joke throughout all of the podcasts. Is that like, I don't think anybody has rolled more crit fails in an episode than Caleb because he'll no. like he'll be hot for like one episode and do like I think his record is three natty twenties, and then like the next five episodes he got at least one crit fail every single episode. <laughs> When it happens, there's nothing you can do about it. It's yeah, just like so it. funny because, and I think in one episode he got like recently, like it's like in the last two or three episodes, like we're sort of having like this big boss battle against this, you know, this big creature that's been terrorizing the city uh, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, I think it was like three times in a row he just crit failed and his and like Brett was like, oh man, because he was like trying to jump from this platform over this lava onto this other thing. He's like, and Rhett's like trying to be as cool with him as possible. He's like, okay, so here's the deal. You can like lose all your clothes and make the jump. Okay, you crit fail. Okay, so you can't, oh man. Okay, so you're in the lava and you can do this in order to get out or you could do this or you can die. And there was like the next one was like he crit failed again or something. Like that. He's like, okay, you're hanging on the edge of the thing. You got there, but like you're gonna, every roll that you don't get above this, your legs are basically Terminator burning out of the bottom or whatever. I felt so bad for him because he's like, he's like moving his dice traded like different places and like trying to roll there. It's the best. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you want to change dice it's because they're cursed or something it's the yeah. bad yeah there's just nothing you can do but i think also i think sometimes certain characters are cursed i, I had a character that um uh, it survived one uh it's a lamentations game it survived one game and i thought oh okay well what i'm going to do is i'm going to spend the money i got on a, a set of new armor you know like sort of chain mail 
Yeah. The next adventure, that character ends up in water and drowns because he's dragged down by the same chainmail armor that I thought was such a great idea in the game before, you know. Oh, he that's just hilarious. That's super funny. Um, so, so yeah, you yeah, were yeah. explaining so, about the, the dice system, which was actually yeah. one of the questions that, that Red asked, why the simpler sort of dice system and, and also kind of why... I'm not sure if this is necessarily true, but sort of uh, why the lighter rule set, which you kind of uh, explained, but you know, fewer dice, lighter rules, or, or maybe not lighter, but simpler. Uh, what, what was so? Yeah, the reason for that is, um, as we know, you got this kind of fundamentally two sort of camps. You've got the sort of people that are in it for roll R O double L play, and you've got people that are into the game for R O L E play. Uh, in terms of how they kind of approach their role-play games. And I wanted, this, I wanted to come up with a game that basically you can create your character in maybe less than a minute. You know, you're not going to be spending much more than that, a couple of minutes creating a new character. And use the generators uh, in the, the tables in the back to put things together. And it's about getting it done so that you can start playing so that you're not hanging around for hours creating characters and then maybe actually you don't get to play and you, 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 know, you have to come back another time. I wanted it fast. I wanted it sort of light. Um, I wanted combat to be sort of realistic so that actually you might want to avoid combat. Yeah. You know, there are smarter ways to get through a, a campaign sometimes you know, than to just race at these things and trying to kill them. So I wanted to kind of have that as a, a big aspect. But what I also wanted, as well as that kind of light rule set, I wanted it to be possible to have some kind of game from one player or more. So that if uh, you want to kind of, there's a character class called the mapper. And fundamentally what that character does, it's, it's one of your own regular characters anyway, but you sort of get these kind of mapping gigs where you're going to go and sort of record how many monsters are in a particular, a 20 mile or 100 mile area or whatever and you put together a map based off it and fundamentally what you're doing is you put together a map uh, with a lot of detail that you can maybe use in a further game or you can share with someone else so that they could actually use it and play with it and the reason i kind of wanted just that option for a, a one player thing is uh, you see so many times especially in america a lot of old school players who've had to sell their all their books, their D&D stuff from back in the day because there's nobody to game with anymore in their state. And they're from a, a kind of an old, maybe an older kind of uh, person who's not internet savvy and stuff like that. And so we're losing all these really cool players from back in the day mm-hmm. purely because they've given up trying to find someone because the nearest game is maybe six hours away. So... I wanted to have an aspect where they could sort of think, hey, you know something, hey, I don't need to give up. Let me just kind of doodle some maps. Maybe some of these young kids might find it a little bit useful. Or I can play these solo adventures by myself as a little kind of thing. Yeah. So I wanted that aspect to it so we don't lose these really cool people. And Or you could play it on the plane or something like that. And then, yeah, you've got new group stuff and making new modules and stuff like that. So... I wanted it to be just simple so that you could pick it up and play. Fundamentally, that was the really what it was about. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, way you explained it and way that Caleb has explained it to me, it's uh, I think he's really going to try to uh, see. I think his goal is to see how quickly he can kill us. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, that's easy. And and so because he was telling me about it uh, a couple months ago, uh, and I I resonate with what you said as far as the creative thing and that sort of thing because I'm I'm recently divorced and so we okay. were we were playing at my old house and now I'm in my apartment and we kind of finished it here. Um, cool. And I noticed that I write a lot more music. I mean, because you just have so much free time on your hands, so it's like yeah. I'm writing more music. I'm creating more stuff uh, for like my, my voiceover stuff, creating new reels, doing new projects, doing all because it's kind of like if you sit alone with your thoughts too long, you know. Yeah. You, oh, you, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm terrible for that. Yeah, I'm terrible for letting the thought, the monkey chatter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another one of the questions uh, he uh, uh, Rhett had for you is like, uh, is like, what was maybe a favorite book or a set of books that you liked growing up that maybe have influenced uh influenced the game yeah that's a really good question um on the fantasy side of things i, I think again around that period of uh, of like being a teenager and, and, and getting into D and stuff like that i was into the, the michael moorcott the elric series very okay. definitely i loved that character so much more than he's other characters because of his thing, you know, the, the whole magic thing, you know, without the magic, he's so weak. And then the sword that's going to give him all this power and just takes away everything from him. I mean, it was such, it's such a brutal cycle of stories, but, but also um, I'm born in, uh, I'm born, I was born in Birmingham in England and I was born in a place called Moseley. And it's where um, Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, lived as a, as a, as a kid. Who's that? And it's, J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, you know that bloke. He's, uh, he became, I don't know, he did something. I don't know. You know, you know, you probably you might have heard of him. Um, but he lived in Mosley, him and his family, and in the next town as well, King's Heath. And he based a lot of the stuff from The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings on places in Birmingham. So the two towers, the twin towers, are, are, are placed, are, they're in Birmingham. They're, oh, okay. uh, an old mill and a water mill. So... Lord of the Rings as a kid, I, I consumed it in like about three days on holiday. I just absolutely loved it. Thought it was fantastic. So and that's cool that too, always... to know that stuff. So it's like you almost kind of have like you can take that visual and then try to like imagine it more fantastical or whatever. You know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. So I mean, influences like that, and I, I was a huge comic fan as a kid. You know, Marvel, DC, and yeah. I just loved them and. And when they came to the UK, uh, when I was like really young, it was just a revelation, all this kind of cool comics and cool characters. So uh, those, and also anything to do with horror, Italian horror, Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, especially. um, Yeah, those are, those are, those are major influences. John Carpenter, uh, Toby Hooper, the, 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 George Romero, definitely. I think any of those are, are big influences, and Hammer Horror. But yeah, I, I yeah, I've always been a big fan of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think those are the major ones. So when you're deciding to create this game, and this is for maybe anybody who's interested in doing this sort of stuff, what was your process initially like? I've got this idea for this thing, so I'm going to just start writing down a story, or how does that work? What I did, um, I came up with the name, first of all, because I, I knew I wanted, uh, again, this. I knew where the name came from in terms of uh, therapy or fantasy kind of thing. And then it was about, okay, well, what do I want from this game? Okay, I want it to be simple. 
Therefore, I'm just going to have three dice. And I'm going to have a really simple combat system because fundamentally it's about action. Everything's about action, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, Combat's going to be part of that. I'm going to have uh, a reduced character class as opposed to the thousands of character classes that suddenly re- turned up since I kind of came back to gaming. You know, it's like, where did all these character classes come from? It's like, Dragonborn? What? What's what's yeah. this? It's like, it's a I'm having a blast. Thing. Like, I just pulled a bunch of pre-gen character sheets that are all basically the same level as, like, where we're at. Because I leveled this up to, like, level seven, because we, I think we okay. were at four or five or something like that. And so I was like, you know, it's been a year. We're all level seven now. We can do some crazier stuff. You know, there could be bigger monsters now and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I just pulled like all these pre, I found some websites and pull it. And so like, I'm going through like figuring out which person is going to do what in the story and that sort of stuff right now. But yeah, I was actually really surprised on some of these websites. I was like, holy crud, there's a lot of stuff. And then I like kind of read through each one of them and yeah, it's, yeah, there, there, it's a lot more, I mean, granted it's also in all the books and stuff like that, but I tend to dive yeah. in first and then go back and make, oh yeah, I should probably read the rules. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this is why I think light rules are good because it's like some of these books that are out there, you could spend a lifetime just reading the rules and you've got people who love rules. I mean, I get that there's, there's you know, X percentage or maybe 70% of, of, of gamers they're, they love all that sort of the mechanics and the dice and da da da. And some games, things like Traveller, are even worse because they're made up of fans who are maybe ex astronauts or airline pilots or engineers or tech guys, and they know all that kind of tech stuff. And yeah, sometimes that's. They're like, I'll fix it. all the problems with another 500 pages. Exactly. There you go. You've got. you. you exactly. I mean, whereas I think you can actually just. I, I guess I, I prefer the side of coming from like drama and theater and stuff like that. I always preferred naturally the sort of, you know, uh, role R O L E play aspect of it. I, I love, yeah. you know, I, I play, I think I've run some games where there's maybe been one battle or one minor skirmish. And that's been it for the entire four hour session. Cause it's been about doing other things, be it puzzles or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and trying to sort of get the characters to sort of escape a city and by doing it the smart way or things like that. Um, but I, I, I like that sort of aspect of, of, of character because yeah. I think that's a lot of fun in the game for me personally. So that's really why I think, okay, keep the rules as light as possible so that you can focus on this other thing, but then make sure that the world in which it's existing is, is interesting enough. Because, I mean, you look at the worlds that... So how did you develop? How did you develop your world? So you have like the sort of basic rules. You know, you want the fewer dice. You want it easier. So how did you start to develop your story and that sort of stuff? I wanted it in a dark world. Uh, I then had the idea that suddenly this sort of darkness had descended upon uh, the world for twenty three hours of the day, and with it would come all these horrors with it it would sort of reawaken monsters that existed it would bring demons with it oh, it would destroy society fundamentally but what the game is it's an alternative reality so you can set it anywhere i like this aspect of just sort of saying you know you want a sort of cthulhu thing in the 20s okay set this in the 20s you know uh, if you if you like the sort of the civil war aspects of say lamentations or dark albion with the 
Tudors, you know, 100 years before. Hey, set it there. That's, that's absolutely cool. Um, if you're going to set it in 1945, the downside is the Nazis won, you know. And that's and not only that, they've got all these demons favouring them now, and they've got these monsters. And by the time you get to the third book, um, book number three, then you're into a whole different, much darker deal of flesh markets and flesh trading and wow. flesh as a commodity and stuff like that. And you realise that your characters, they're in a really, really tough place, whether you're a fighter or a magician or a believer or a profiteer. You know, you, you're in a really genuinely tough place now. But you can survive it. I ran uh, the playtest of, of a module that's coming out next year, No Rabbits and Rabbit Wood. And there were, I just had uh, two players and four non-player characters. The, the, the non-player characters all got killed. So did one of the, the players. But the other one got through, survived, rescued the princess, got a big reward, and, and is set for the next one. So it can be done, but you've really got to remember you're in a very dark and nasty world and in one full step in your, and not only does your character die, but if you fail a saving role, you lose your soul as well. Oh, wow. So it's, oh, seriously, it, it's like, and that's sucked into the darkness with the demons and evil for all time kind of thing. But uh, yeah, you, you, you can survive. You know, you can do it, but you, you've got to think very, very carefully. Yeah, that's that seems to be the theme that I'm noticing, uh, even when you want to play with your... So I'm getting the inside scoop because I'm not going to let them hear this before we play. And uh, <laughs> no, this will be out on Monday. But uh, um, but like, yeah, so you yeah, using your brain a little bit more, doing a little bit more of the role-playing uh, rather than the dice role-playing type yeah. of stuff and, and really trying to think out think through situations yeah i was into because <clears throat> i grew up in theater as well and i i was an av kid and you oh. know all um i still am then i do voiceover so it's like you know yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I can that's that what it too, is so. it's you know it's it's all character based you have to analyze the script you have to know how to talk you know all this stuff and that was all probably i mean i was the funny guy i was the because i also i'm also a stand-up comedian so like i my character is a little <laughs> okay. three foot two uh uh wizard gnome Nice. Name name Lance and Philly Duke, and he called everyone Bozo a lot. But like he was always the sort of levity. But I noticed like as I started playing him, you know, as we got started getting into like more of the teen episodes, I realized I was starting to like think more about things and like, oh well, what about this or what are the you know? And obviously, just because I'd played you know for now thirty plus hours or whatever, you know, once we were into yeah, the you know teens, so it's like it's definitely a, a change in my plane and I started to prefer yes yeah, uh, uh, sneakier or trickier ways like trying to figure out like okay how can we you know like a ret would give us a puzzle and I'd start thinking outside of the box like well what if yeah what if we did this thing or the, you know I so so that's that's good to know I'm gonna see if I can throw a mon- monkey wrench in Caleb's trying to kill us stuff <laughs> like you know roll for, roll for underground tunnel that, that no one knows about you know <laughs> that, that sort of stuff i mean it's it's, it's interesting that sort of with with the play test of no rabbits and rabbit wood it had more combat in it than i think uh, the previous 10 games of different systems i've run oh interesting uh, you know it, it's it's because it's so easy just to run it's you're fundamentally going into an underground cavern in which there's been a whole load of other people going in which have failed fundamentally in their 
their mission yeah uh and are trapped in there as well so you're kind of like flying flying into someone else's previous game in many ways gotcha. um but again that was the one that someone survived so yeah it, it can be done i don't like sort of games where you're just killing all the characters all the time mm-hmm. or at the same extreme they face no problems whatsoever yeah and, uh, I think I, I I've got I think one character left from back in the day, and he's retired. He's a twenty first uh, level druid. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, you I was know. looking at I, I was making a druid because I'm going to do a bunch of NPCs, but then I think there's going to be about two characters that I play as the DM that kind of like show up more frequently. So I'm actually sort of building them up a little bit, and then hopefully if they stick around. Um, when we rotate again for the third season, I'll, I, I definitely want to play, play the little Druid guy. I think he's, he's a gnome again. I like gnomes. They're hilarious to me. Um, the hateful, the hateful place is human only. I've got rid of all these kind of different sort of yeah. races. Um, I think because, because of the Hobbit films, mm-hmm. there's a lot to do with that. It's like, it left such a negative impression. I never wanted to see another dwarf. Oh, gotcha. Or elf or hobbit again, seriously. Right. So it's like now they can go. I'm not having, I'm not having them in this game. Yeah, exactly. How did you? <laughs> how did you go about? Because I, I'm trying to remember this because this was said to me several months ago. But like you kind of modded, like the wizards and like like I, it's like you only have so much wizarding power or something like that. No, what it, no? that was in the yeah in the original playtest. Yeah, that was I think that was that was very much what it was. But the way that it, it, it developed is that. There's a price to be paid for magic. That's what it is. And it's a big price. Mm-hmm. And it's in the first playtest, it's like there was a five in six chance of every spell failing and killing you as well. It was really extreme. And I thought, I sent it out to playtesting for a lot of people. And I thought, actually, that's maybe that's far too much. So I made it, I think, like a one in six chance that something nasty would happen. So okay. if there's a fireball spell, there's a, a, a one in six chance it's going to torch you as well. Oh, gotcha. Uh, you know, so, uh, and there's only 10 spells that you can, you can learn. Uh-huh. And you get to choose five. Oh, okay. Uh, or you basically, you roll. So you roll to decide which five you've got. And um, the idea is, is that fundamentally with great power comes great responsibility. But also what you're looking at with these magicians, because both the magician and the believer class the more religious based class the magician it's really they they get the magic and they use it really for profit the believers they use theirs for you know cultish or religious reasons whatever um, but the idea is, is that fundamentally these characters are time bombs mm-hmm. you know these guys uh, with all this magical ability they can't be trusted. They're extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, some of these believers are as extreme as the Puritans, you know, of Solomon Cain's day. They were not nice people. They were extreme. They were going around hanging people all the time, mainly women. Um, yeah. So in this harsh post-darkness world, yeah, the, these guys with or women with these kind of uh, these spells are nasty. And you can just use them. I mean, you can use them sort of, uh, you can use them once, but you t- again, you take not only the potential to fail the spell, but you get, uh, I think there's a 10 hit point cost for oh, using each wow. spell. That's, uh, yeah, 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 and that's that, what it was. That takes, a, that takes a week to recover. <laughs> a week, holy crap. But the upside is that with the hit point system, 
what I went for with the hit point system is because it's like to me D and D what four hit points for a first level magician, you know, magic user as it used to be or something. That's like that's no good. They're going to get killed in the first game. Yeah, I let I let them roll. Uh, in such a way that you, you, you decide that your hit points to begin with, and you can get, I think, what is it? It's, uh, I think, for, for rolling hit points, it's the body. You, you get basically three. You get this mind, body, and soul. I've got rid of a lot of the kind of, you know, the whole dexterity constitution. Yeah. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't like that kind of aspect in games. So I just went for uh, mind, body, and soul. And these spells, yeah, you, you roll what your uh, attributes are, uh, with 3d6 and then you you, you add uh, an extra figure uh and you, you can get like sort of maybe 30 40 points mm-hmm. to start off with you don't get oh. any more than that but that's not bad you know and the, all the weapons basically do the same uh damage uh it's like four to 40 hit points it's just uh, harder so yeah, to recover 40, it sounds like 40 10. um if you get if you get wounded because, the, I mean, monsters have got potentially a maximum of 50 hit points. Demons have got a maximum of 100 hit points. Oh, now, boy. that's a lot. Yeah. But if you've got a weapon that's doing 4 to 40 hit points of damage, is that standard right across the board? Because to me, you get a knife, you stick it in someone's neck, hey, you've just done probably about 40 hit points of damage. You haven't done <laughs> yeah, 1d6. Exactly. Yeah. That guy's dead. Yeah. You know, that guy's seriously dead. So that was the kind of mindset I approached that with, really. Yeah, yeah like a little to make bit more realistic. realistic. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, there. yeah, there's sometimes like where I I would natty 20 and I would firebolt somebody and they would be like, if it was a, sort of a bigger thing, like, oh, yeah, it took, you know, it took a lot of damage, but you know, they're still kind of kicking. But then there was like one time... I got a natty 20 and I firebolted a, a guard like right in his chest. And they're like, well, you killed him. I was like, yeah, okay. Now that makes more sense to me. So that's kind of cool how you, you basically this whole game uh, uh, is you trimmed a lot of the fat. You just kind of, oh, yeah. you made it. Yeah, and it absolutely. sounds like, and it sounds like the way I put it, how it made sense to me. And I don't mean this insultingly. It, it seems a little bit more like paint by numbers, like where you can really, oh, this is this, this is this, this is what you do, and now you've got the game. It's, it's I, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't, paint by numbers, I wouldn't describe it as that, but I kind of know what you mean. I think it's more about uh, saying to people, hey, look, there's a, you want a game, uh, I tell you what, it's a bit like uh, maybe uh, one of those teppanyaki uh, restaurants where you sit in there and you watch the really kind of cool uh, Japanese guy in the, with the big walk, oh, and he's got all that meat, and he's yeah. got all the Korean kind of thing, um, yeah. and they're putting all this great stuff in, and they fit, and it's just think, wow, this is amazing because with this game, not only can you create your own characters, you can create your own modules as well. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and, and that's really the key. You get about sort of four basic descriptions, but the generators allow you to to create your own adventures as well. How did you and how did you come up with that, that idea the, for the generators and and it was it just simply like I want someone to be able to play by themselves type of thing, or I want them to be able to have this, and it's not just like, okay, well, I bought this D and D thing, and it's going to be the same adventure. Like you wanted to have like multiple uses, but possible different outcomes type of idea. Hugely so, yeah. I think there was two sort of sets of thinking for this, and it's like, okay, with these books, I'm, I recognize I'm trying to break a new game idea. 
um, into a really sort of crowded market. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I also want to have another use for the books, which is to have all these these generators. I'd found from writing a module uh, previously that I released that I kind of I'm pretty good at putting these uh, these tables and generators together. So I thought, okay, well maybe I can sell more books if I have a whole bunch of generators and tables that they can use for D and D or Lamentations or Dungeon Classics, whatever, which people are doing, uh, which is cool. So they're taking uh, the things that you've designed for your game, and because they're they're not as specific to you, they can be like, oh, I can generate within this world of Dungeons & Dragons or whatever. Absolutely. That's yeah, awesome, man. Totally. Very smart. And that, well, it was deliberate. I mean, fundamentally, look, I mean, I, I don't... I'm, I don't kid myself I'm going to make as much money as Wizards of the Coast this year, you know, right. uh, or, or maybe any year. Uh, but I, I want people to have fun with the game. You know, I think we've all played certain games where it wasn't a lot of fun and you think, you know, that's kind of not why I, you know, wanted to spend my evening or my day or whatever kind of thing. For us, it was like, we call it the goo episode. We hadn't had combat in a while, so Rhett was like, we fought these weird like goos that like split apart but he realized about halfway through where he was like oh man i made this too hard because they keep splitting up and now they've got too many of them in there and so it just ended with the goos retreat from you and like (laughs) we talked about it on our wrap-up episode uh, because we did a wrap-up of the season all you know are some of our favorite memories and 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 he's like okay now that we're done i think we can all admit that was the worst episode i was like yeah i didn't want to say it at the time i was like is this bad i think this is bad right (laughs) so that's cool that that's cool that you're taking that approach to like if they don't want to buy your game at least like maybe it can also become just like another tool as far as like the the generation that sort of stuff for dms and that sort of thing the, the third book, I think there's 50 pages oh, cool. of, of, of generators. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it's just, it's number one, it's just fun and it's useful. Um, and yeah, I just want fundamentally, people say to me, oh, yeah, I use the tables in my game last week. No, it, just, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, that, man. That's awesome. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I wanted it a little bit. Another reason to do this game is, is I kind of, you get to that sort of stage in life and you think, you know, so if I drop dead tomorrow, what, what would I have left yeah. to the world? Yeah, not much really. So I sort of thought, okay, I'll make this game so that, you know, even if a couple of people play it, I think actually that's okay. If a couple of people, you know, if, if they've had fun playing it, that's pretty good. That's okay. That's enough for me. Have you, have, has it been doing well? Has it been selling well or? I mean, it it's must because really you keep insane. you keep making new books and stuff. I wouldn't imagine that you'd be doing that if it if people weren't buying it and stuff. Ah, uh, well, no, I, that's another interesting sort of point to raise because that's about the actual process. Mm-hmm. And for people that are looking to get into this kind of thing and release their own ideas, there's options obviously available. And the self publishing, like sort of Lulu dot com, that's the route I went. And the reason I went for that route is because it doesn't cost you anything to actually make the book. Right. You just simply design your book in however you do. Save it as a PDF, and you've maybe got an image for your cover in your back, and you just put it into their system, and bada-bing, that, that's your book. doesn't cost you anything. So, And they just print on demand type thing? And they print on demand, absolutely. It's not like I'm sitting here with like 5,000 copies around thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to sell them? Yeah. Although I would definitely like to move to a point of um, 
of getting them published. Yeah. And the idea is to get them out to more sort of friendly local gaming stores and to, to make them available, uh, not just online. But to begin with, it's a brilliant system to do it because, you know, most of us just don't have any money to be doing these things. So it's there. We're happy with it. And also we're in control of the product. Yeah. That's a really great thing. We've got two Uh, local stores that after we play it, maybe, I mean, I don't really, I went in there to buy dice. Like I don't necessarily come off as the type of dude that would play. Uh, Caleb sold it to me on one uh, a podcast called Sneak Attack, which is a D&D homebrew podcast. Mm-hmm. He goes, you'll like it. They do voices, and it's all improv-based. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I like listened to like whatever 80 episodes, and I just came back to him. I was like, is this what D&D is? Like, you, you make up crap, and like you do fun voices? He's like, well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's other stuff. But I was like, dude. And he goes, you want to start a podcast? I was like, yeah, of course I do. What, are you crazy? This sounds hilarious. I was like... If I would have known, this is what I I would I, I would have like hung out with those guys in high school rather than be like nerd, like uh, and 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 that's coming from the theater and AV kid. I was like Dungeons and Dragons nerds. You know? <laughs> he says in his tights doing yeah. Hamlet. He's like yeah right yeah. And then, <laughs> and then afterwards, I was going to my tap dance class and uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like excuse me, I have to put on my tap shoes now dorks and uh (laughs) but yeah i'm super into it so like i think that i would love to like once we get a good i I would love to go down there and maybe i'll uh drop them off like some stuff and see what they think and then you know uh, because they're locally owned so it might be something where they would be able to and then you know if they're interested or whatever i could put them in touch with you and or just you know yeah yeah, yeah, I think that'd be that'd be fantastic because it's. I, I recognise that. I mean, oh, you, you, you probably know, but over here in the UK, it, it's suddenly again returning to it. It's everywhere's Warhammer. Okay. Everywhere you go is just Warhammer, Warhammer. Games Workshop obviously is just Warhammer these days, um, and D and D Fifth Edition. It just seems like that's the only two games that people are playing. Yeah, we play uh, on the main, on the mainstream level. Um, and a Pathfinder, of course. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's obviously there's a lot of other games coming through. There's some amazing sort of de- game designers out there as well. So it's, I believe in the product. I believe in the game. I think this is a cool game. I think it's a it really simple cool. mechanic. I'm, I'm super stoked game. to play it. I mean, it's in ter- look in, in terms of damage. Look, just as an example, we were talking about spells. I'll give you just a quick one. This yeah. is fire. This is the equivalent of, I guess, what would be the fireball in, in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And it says, um, the the madman's spell of many colors. Fire is both the ender and creator of wars. The caster can create fire covering one mile and with a temperature of a thousand degrees Fahrenheit, causing two d twenty times a hundred damage to anybody caught within the fire radius. Fireball as a weapon is 4d20 damage. Now, the cost for that spell, the caster has a 1 in 6 chance of receiving 90% burns, causing 10d20 damage, and a further 1 in 6 chance of blindness. You can't just put a 15-year-old kid in a sports car and tell him, 
it's okay for you to go drive on the highway. Do you know right. what I mean? <laughs> They've got to have a responsibility of learning. Dude, that's bananas. That's that's <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and 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 that kind of goes to your point of like making you think outside of the box rather than just absolutely fireball, fireball, fireball. Absolutely, yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be because otherwise they're just going to get themselves killed. But um, yeah, it's with great. Look, there's a spell called kill, and you can kill anybody. Unfortunately, five days later, you die. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, and there's no way around it. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. It's almost like like <laughs> you're taking the life force, but in order to do that, you have to give yours in order Absolutely. to... Absolutely, yeah. That's you can't awesome. give people that kind of power and let them get away with it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Lord I'm Voldemort would have made several different decisions. oh man i think it's also really interesting too like how a lot of and i saw this i lived down in los angeles uh for about three years i was going to music school uh about uh, 11 years ago and uh, i knew a couple uh, just because you down there long enough you're gonna run into actors you're gonna run into people you recognize and i just happen to be friends with people that and both of them played and i was like you play Dungeons and Dragons? He's like, yeah, yeah. I've got a game with like this guy, this guy, this guy. And I was like, I was like, you, you play D and D with like that. I think maybe one of them was Elijah Wood too. Like, I can't remember all the names, but right, cool, cool. But, and then now, like you know, Joe Manganiello, the big buff guy, he's been playing yeah. since he was a little kid. Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel, yeah. Uh, and they're Steve like Colbert. Yeah, and they're like doing like video stuff, like with like where it's like kind of celebrity D and D, which cool. is crazy oh, because right. they've been they're like they all know their stuff so well. Like I, I oh, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I think it's the Wizards of the Coast uh, uh, specific. I've got to look on my phone their their podcast. What's it called? Oh, really? That's uh, awesome. oh, Dragon Talks. Uh, a oh, dra- nice. Dragon okay. Talk, an official Dungeons and Dragons uh, uh, podcast, and they I just re listened to Joe Manganiello's episode and like. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. He plays, but like he's and he's with the people that work for Wizards of the Coast for D and D itself, you know. And he's like spouting all this old school stuff, and they're like, oh man, I forgot about that. And they're like, holy crap, you had that book, or you had you know, you had this that little module. That's so rare. And he's like, yeah. yeah, dude. And like he's like getting into it and all this stuff. I was like, that's so cool because I had to listen to podcasts and I had to listen to like interview stuff like uh, because they've got a lot of cool stuff where they give like player tips on that podcast and all this. Yeah, so I was like, nice. I need to learn all I can before so I don't make a fool out of myself, you know, playing for the first time. Um, you know, what are some games that you're playing right now? Do you have a can a D and D campaign you're in or any video games or anything like that that you're playing? Video games, no. I used to back in the day play sort of, I think, Res Evil, but I only got it to, I think, about Res Evil 3. Okay. And a bit of Tomb Raider, but I was terrible at that because I just couldn't do those puzzles. They were just way too hard. Um, games, I'm about to run um, The Village of Homlet for some players who haven't played that before. And that was the very first module that I think I played as a player back in the day. And that was oh, the very cool. first. That was the first. Well, it was the, that was the first one I uh, refereed. I dungeon mastered, and I think Keep on the Borderlands would have been the, like, the first one I did as a player. So I'm um, yeah, I'm going to run uh, the Village of Homlet, which I'm really looking forward to because I think it's just such an awesome classic D and D module. Um, I'm also running um, uh, a sort of a homebrew thing. Ash versus the Hateful Place. Oh, cool. 
So yeah, so that's going to be obviously a lot of Evil Dead. And, yeah, that's good. That's really um, cool. It's going to be nice. I'm looking forward to that. That's the Christmas game. Rhett, um, Rhett would love to be in on that because I I know Rhett loves <laughs> Evil Dead. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. It's good. I think it's going to be really cool. So yeah, definitely. So yeah, always looking for players for games because it's really it's amazing how tricky it can be getting players for games. You know, because people are busy, 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 busy these days. But um, so I'm doing that, and I've also got a. I've got a. I've got. I'm ba- basically at the moment working on the three books to be released next year. Uh, that's taken a lot of my time because next year there's there's a book called the. Uh, it's called Hateful Places, and it's an A to Z of English villages. Okay. Uh, spooky villages. So it's stuff that you can. You know, obviously there's all the history so of them and all that kind of stuff. But you in. can probably use it for D and Yeah, you can Ooh. use it for D and D games and stuff like that. So there's those. Um, there's How long does it take no you to Robinson. write a book, on average? Um, it depends. The actual original book three. Let's have a look. Uh, the core rule book and book B came out beginning of January, mm-hmm. and then it took me till the end of July to release the third book. But the third book is much bigger than the others and there's, there's far more in it and all the generators. That's the end of the kind of the rule books because uh, I, I wanted to start then releasing modules and stuff like that. So there's the No Rabbits and Rabbit Wood. That'll come out next year. That's awesome. Um, Hateful Places plus a mystery book, which I can't, although the eagle-eyed on Instagram, if they saw the post today, and they look very closely. I kind of accidentally gave it away. Oh, okay. What the mystery book is? I'm really hoping that nobody spotted that because that's. Um, <laughs> well, now yeah, I'm going back and looking. <laughs> yeah, you can. This is gonna be like. Oh, so oh, it's yeah. like an. It's actual like a. It's a like a like a Sherlock Holmes mystery type thing. No, it's it's something. It's a, it's a book from history. Okay. That's all I can tell you, but you'll figure it. Once you look at that Instagram, you're okay. going to know. Um, cool. And so those are the three things for next year. And then hopefully the year after that, there's one called um, Pop Pop Tokyo Boom Boom, which is a kind of a, a, a really crazy cyberpunk hateful place module. Oh, that's badass, dude. That's so cool. Which is which is all of Tokyo. It just takes place in all of You get a choice wherever you want to be in Tokyo. So, yeah. So... Because of that, I, I, I can only really sort of referee or dungeon master maybe once every couple of months or something like that. At the moment. Um, I ran a game I think about three weeks ago. Oh, cool! And they'll just they'll just be that was the uh, no rabbits and rabbit wood. Um, I'll do the Ash versus Evil Dead for the Christmas game. Uh, Ash versus the Hateful Place for the Christmas game, um, and that'll probably be all I've got time for sort of this year. And next year, I just want to be running just the Hateful Place games. And as well as also um, the, the, the D&D classic, classic yeah. modules. I mean, I've got, I think I've got them all upstairs. I mean, and it's on some of the Facebook groups, you see the, the original guys that have wrote these things. And they're still hanging around in the communities and they're still excellent and awesome yeah. and saying cool stuff. So you think, I've got those guys work upstairs, you know. So yeah, it's, it's, I want to get these out because they're such awesome, you know, Ghost Tower of Inverness or, you know, you name it. There's just so many 
great D and D modules from back in the day, and I'd love to I'd love to run them again because it's just been forever. Mm-hmm. And introduce hopefully uh, like a new generation of, of, of people. I really like the idea that of getting new people to play these games, and we're seeing it. The New Yorker article, I think you probably saw this week about the the so called resurrection of Dungeons and Dragons. It's mm-hmm. like yeah, it's it's it's. It's really back into the mainstream fantasy gaming and social gaming. And we're seeing more and more people now that want to sort of disengage from just their phones or their internet, whatever. And they want to go to cafes or restaurants or whatever and and get back and play board games or role-play games and stuff like that. So I think that as a creator and a player, it's a really exciting time now to be involved in in, in the whole world of gaming. And I think there's a... If it brings people together, a classical thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you meet someone, you know, at a local gaming club, whatever, and it's positive for you, then that's just awesome. You know, there's a there's a there's a lot. It's a really lonely world out there. Yeah. And and being social and getting out, and just having cool times, I think really is the way to go for me. Yeah, well, I was wondering, like, when you play those older modules, two questions. If if um, how do you approach it, having played it, and also having now? I know you said there's a lot of like new people, and and they maybe they don't know them, especially if there's you know if they're from like that sort of original run. But like, if you have a player that's played it before, or like, is it is that like a hard or weird thing? And then also, do you update rules, or do you just go by the rules of when it came out? Uh, yeah. Yeah, good question. Um, first of all, I always go by yeah the the, the one e, okay. you know, or, or just a d and d as it was you know called. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I keep I keep those rules. I I think pretty much everybody, especially from that period, have played those modules like a thousand times. Yeah. So it's like, but as as Gary Gygax said, it's like you you don't ever run these things exactly as written. Right. You know, you you make that module your own. You know, I think that was always the key that and people still say now is that, you know, read the module, read it backwards and forth. Like Robert De Niro rehearsing a role, you know, they say like he runs the script backwards, forwards, so he can just then throw it away. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same with these modules that you're going to have to replace so many things and move so many things in terms of tricks and traps or monsters or whatever right. because people are going to be expecting it. The great thing now, I think, is that what people didn't have back in the day that they do have now are sort of books with generators and tables so they can just roll and create something. In the same way they can create like a non-player character, they can just roll things to drop back in and replace them in these modules. And that's really awesome because then it doesn't matter how many times you played that module, you don't know what you're going to walk into. That's cool. Yeah, because we were playing, there's like the the basic... 5e D module you get like the beginner's module whatever it is yeah yeah and um caleb and i were playing it with another guy that we were gonna start it with uh this guy named mike but we just kind of like we played for like two hours one time and then i started listening to some podcasts i found and like i noticed like like halfway through this episode i was like well why didn't they just do that i was like oh wait they're playing the same module and then i was like okay we can't play a module on the podcast. Other people are doing it. We got to get a homebrew thing. And then so I I texted my buddy Rhett and I was like, hey, 
do you play Dungeons and Dragons? And he goes, I never thought I would get this text from you. Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? He's like, hi, I was like, well, we're, stuff. you know, yeah. I was like, you know, we're trying to, because he podcasts and all that sort of stuff. So, and, and I had him on my paranormal podcast. And so I knew he could uh-huh. talk and, yeah. and, you know, he'd be great. And he's a very good improviser and in the moment. And so I was like, do you DM? And he's like, yeah, I do that a lot. Actually, he was like, excellent. Yeah, Start writing, like kid. <laughs> Start yeah. writing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So as we're wrapping up here, um, where can people find you online, website, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, where they, where can they get your book, all that sort of stuff. And then just make sure to email it to me and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, cool. Uh, yep. The, the Hateful Place is available, uh, mainly on lulu.com at the moment. Uh, there's a small group on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, it's the underscore hateful underscore place. Uh, on Twitter, it's the hateful place. Um, that's sort of where it's at at the moment. And um, people can also can get me on on Facebook just as Dave Mitchell. Cool. And do you, um, you know, uh, anybody wants to, you know, they can on Facebook they could contact you, talk to you more about maybe game development that sort of stuff. Do you give advice to people? Oh, always happy to do that. I mean, look, I'm I'm no expert, absolutely not, but. What I have done is I think I spent about sort of two or three years basically looking at every other system that was out there um, and seeing and seeing okay does is this what I am personally looking for in a game? Um, what do I like? What can I do without? And I found that I could do without ninety nine percent of it. So it's about, and then come out with a product that you're really happy with on a personal level. Um, that you're really going to want to sort of run with. Because if you don't believe in the idea, no one else is going to. And I think that initially there's going to be a lot of people out there who are disparaging. You'll you'll encounter that, who just want to be trollish and negative uh, in in the world at the moment, unfortunately. You just ignore them. And you just sort of say, look, this is a cool game. Just focus on the game. Just get that out there. Um, And I think... Yeah, just get to know people on places like Facebook. It's amazing how many game creators are out there mm-hmm. and or, or go to the conventions. I only really get to go to um, UK Game Expo because it's like about 20 minutes from a uh, drive from my house. I'd love to be able to get to sort of Gen Con and places like that and, and, and meet the incredible amount of gamers that there are in the States. Um, so it's always, yeah, social networks, um, online Get your idea out there, I think, and 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 really just run with it. Um, and I think it's amazing how kind of you'll get a lot of people really supportive, but play test your product. Yeah, that's the real key thing. Is because I got there's a lot of things in the initial play test. The initial play test document, I think, for the hateful place was about eleven pages. That's all it was. And I took on board what people said as well as other ideas I'd sort of had or, or rethought and then, then expanded it. But having people that you trust, you know, get them to play test it and they'll, they'll, you know, you'd be amazed. I've, I've, I've uh, read other people's ideas they sent me and some of them are like totally over my head and I'll say they're really, this is totally over my head. You need someone much smarter to kind of talk to about this one. Yeah. Um, or I'll say, okay, I think this is cool, but I think maybe X, Y, Z is something that you might want to just look at. Right. You know, 
don't don't enforce your ideas upon someone just maybe make some suggestions as to kind of the things that you didn't think were maybe such a good idea but i think in the modern world with things like online self-publishing the world's the oyster now it really is because there's people with amazing talent great imaginations love of the world that they they're in and that they develop and they can get it out there to the to gamers around the world and i think that's brilliant that's awesome man so um are you uh would you be interested uh i I don't know how long we're gonna how or how many episodes i kind of made a joke last time when we recorded because uh caleb seems very intent on 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 murdering us all um, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, if it only takes a couple minutes to gen a character, then I guess it's going to be like, and now the monster turns around and there's a new group of adventurers ready to fight him. Or so, you know what I mean? Like, and, and so like, I would imagine we'll try to, I'm not, once again, not quite sure how it's set up, but I imagine we'll try to do a story or, 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 or the a whole module or, or whatever it is, however you have it set up. So at least wait, we get through like a kind of a whole thing. But would you be interested in listening to those and then coming back on afterwards and kind of giving us oh, some feedback? Yeah, def- def- definitely so. Definitely and then, so. Because- you know, if we approach something wrong, you can go, I mean, I don't know if that's possible, but you go, oh, maybe you misunderstood this rule or this is actually what this meant, but that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely so. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, it's the really nice thing, I think, is seeing something that you've created being being used. That's the great thing. And, and, and coming up with a game that people are actually playing and enjoying is, is really sort of deeply sort of rewarding on a spiritual and philosophical level and all those kind of things. You know? <laughs> yeah. Also, it's a nice ego boost. Uh, if I, hey, listen, I think back in the day, I probably would have, I would have definitely taken the ego boost. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it, it, it definitely it brings a sort of a, a warmer feeling to the day kind of thing. Um, they're playing it. But, they're do, they're doing the thing that I made. That's right. That's yeah. the really nice that's yeah. the really cool. Bit. And and when I've had sort of feedback from people and some of the games that they've run, I thought that's really cool. I like that. I'm really I'm happy. Yeah, I think we might uh actually try to get all three of uh uh all three of the guys here next time with me after we've played so then you know they can oh, awesome. ask questions yeah. and and you know and and pick your brain as well. So it'll be a uh, a five-person conversation. That, it, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of adventures you go for. Because, I mean, especially with the third book, there's just so many sort of plot hooks. You know, where is the ship going? Yeah. Uh, a graveyard of ships in search of one that only pretends to have sunk. That's one potential. I mean, the, the, the options are so great that I'm really excited to see what kind of game you guys play. Yeah. And once again, I, I don't know how long we're going to play because I'm, I'm not – uh, Caleb has all the books, so like sure. I know we're gonna we're gonna definitely try to play enough of it to where we can get to a conclusion. Just from the perspective of, um, well, because we you know it's a podcast, it's a show, you know, so cool, yeah. so yeah, we definitely want to put in some time on it. Um, and plus, it gives me more time to read those stupid books. <laughs> Brilliant, I hear that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, stupid D and D books. At least I'm not asking you to read the Pathfinder book. You know that yeah. thing that is. <laughs> oh well, Dave. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for talking to us and, and our listeners. And uh, all of his information is in the show notes, people. So find him. Go to Lulu. Get the book. Start playing the game. Message him on Facebook. Tell him what you liked. 
if you're gonna tell me what you didn't like, don't be a jerk about it. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> all right. So for chaotic amateurs, I've been Bentley Michaels. Grab your sword and keep on adventuring. Follow us across all platforms with Chaotic Amateurs. Please subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice to help us climb the charts and find new adventurers. Or become a patron on Patreon to help our heroes continue their quest. Thank you for listening to Chaotic Amateurs. Chaotic Amateurs.